The New World Order does not want you to hear this episode. It doesn't. It, it does really not. Doesn't. It just it's it's you know too late. Why? All right. They're afraid of it. There's a great there's a great quote on this for this episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The main thing that I learned about conspiracy theory is that conspiracy theorists believe in a conspiracy because that is more comforting. The truth of the world is that it is actually chaotic. The truth is that it's not the Illuminati or the Jewish banking conspiracy or the gray alien theory. The truth is far more frightening. Nobody is in control. The world is rudderless. Said by Alan Moore and totally true, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's even scary, but again, it's coming from Alan Moore. <laughs> so, so scary. I, the, <laughs> that's some dark, that's some dark sentiment coming from old Alan. It's a little, it's a little dark, it's a little dark. All right, so Marie, last episode, we ended with the uh, the question, I think, on all of our listeners' minds, which is, all right, so listen, we've had like three uh, hours almost mm-hmm. of discussions about this goddamn airport. Why the hell <laughs> would the Illuminati choose an airport? Flights. Why Why did this airport become the center of this conspiracy theory? Yes, why an airport? And it's time we answered them. Okay, Marie. It's finally time for the long-awaited answer. Of why an airport? Why an airport? Well, I mean, I, again, like, I do think that that is, it's a good question to ask because it's not like, again, it's not like the pyramids, right? It's not like ancient aliens or, you know, some other some other big historical artifact that, you think would be more likely to be associated with conspiracies. It's, no, this is a place where you go to have, you know, go to have five guys and then got, get diarrhea on your flight to Tampa. Exactly. Well, strangely specific, but yes, ex- yes, that, right. I mean, it's, 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 and so while Denver International Airport was again, one of the first of its kind to, to make a huge investment in art and bringing art into the airport, um, that doesn't change the fact that it's a really kind of a dull, large building of cement and concrete and, you know, is is made for just the single purpose of getting people from one place to another. I mean, it, it, there's yeah. nothing more to it. And I think it's just really strange that that is what people think of now still, you know, like more than 20 years since this whole conspiracy theory got started. It's lasted. It's a really interesting thing because Denver International Airport was sort of the beginning of the age of really mundane conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists, I would say. So, Marie, you mentioned, you know, like ancient alien ideas or, mm-hmm. you know, ideas that like, oh, the Freemasons built uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. to look like, a you know, giant whatever pentagram or whatever the hell it is. And there's yes. you know, obelisks and all these other things, right? This idea of like. This this idea of a group of rich, powerful and connected people in a club that you're not part of mm-hmm. making the decisions for everybody. Like, number one, that's just the truth. Right. Like That's just that is just true. Like that happens. But we just call it government. You know, <laughs> like that's just like, you know, the the Harvard and Yale graduating classes every year. You know, th- like those are those people. Right. And, you know, so there's there's an interesting side to this where on the one side of the conspiracy theory, it's like, why the hell are you looking at an airport, bro? Go to like, look at your look. What are you doing? Why are you why are you looking at the art in this stupid airport? There's like real go vote. Right. Run for office. There's real shit happening. You know, real shit happening. But on the other hand, on the other hand, though, it also speaks to the really like there's this idea that we touch on in a lot of our series and it is about sort of the, the de-weaponizing or the D two thing, I guess of conspiracy theory or just transgressive thought in, in the, in, in theory, right. In, in kind of general. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the one that we always kind of go back to a lot because me and Marie are, you know, like old, um, crusty like you know angry old punks is Mm -hmm. you know punk rock culture getting kind of co-opted by like hot topic right 
Yes. Um, the same, and, mm. you know, so culture and these cultural trends that could be dangerous to the system or could be challenging to the system being, you know, taken and sold back to you and made into something that, like, you know, your mom talks about, right? You know, and suddenly your mom is woke. And it's like, well, crap, there's no, you know, there's no way to get rid suddenly, of the mom's wearing a, a, uh, a safety pin through her ear. Well, so like, but seriously, though, right? There's no, you know, it's like that old joke, right? That, like, you know, well, how do you how do you get your kid to stop doing, um, you know, the, the cool thing that you don't want them to do? Like you do it right. You so do it. Mm-hmm. you want your kid to stop smoking. You start smoking and, you know, talking to them about it. Whatever. You know, it's uh, that one might not work. You might both get addicted to nicotine, but, you know, it doesn't work as good for like heroin, I guess. But, uh, you know, the, the idea still stands. Yes. And with conspiracy theory, I kind of think like we're in this weird world right now where. You know, that group of people who are controlling you politically and economically and everything else, they've figured out that, hey, conspiracy theories is a really great fucking way to control people. It's a great way to trick people. Right. So we'll just use it. We're just going to use it for them. And so we're we're hitting an interesting point, though. So that's that's one idea, I guess, of the danger of conspiracy theory, kind of the transgressive nature of conspiracy theory being eaten up by the system and kind of pooped back at you and, and, you know, um, Giorgio Sucala serving it to you on a spoon, on a, on a platter or whatever. <laughs> but there's also an interesting part of this, which is the place for conspiracy theory to exist and kind of the, the power of the theory to explain things gets smaller and smaller, the longer that it kind of exists in the world around us. So we talk about that a lot when it comes to like, say magic, Right. Mm-hmm. Where if you think about like what what a ghost used to be. Uh, 200 years ago, if you were to think what you would see, if you saw a ghost, you would think a full body apparition who could like move things, maybe and talk to you, interact with you and have right. really, you know, really physical presence. Levitate the table. Yeah. yeah. All, all that good yeah. stuff. And today, when people think about ghosts, they think about like, you know, nerds with stud finders scaring each <laughs> other in in haunted prisons yes. you know that's what <laughs> they think about haunted like, prisons yep so yep. the place for the ghost to exist the, the importance of the idea what a ghost means has really shrunk from being like a a, a person's soul to being like a, a electronic signal or a hot spot yeah. in a room yeah and even to be televised right it's it's the commodity Yes, and it's been commodified. It's yeah. a commodity, yeah. Not and that it wasn't 100 years ago with, like, seances and all that kind of stuff, but it definitely it definitely has shrunk. Well, you know, you you had to go to, like, dangerous, you know, not dangerous, but, like, you had to go to, like, a weird carnival ground to, mm-hmm. to talk to somebody or go to, like, a traveling caravan or go to a seedy part of town, you know, to, to get your psychic reading or whatever. Now you can just you go to someone's blog and they'll tell you what whatever the hell. Right. So it totally changes. No, there's an app. Right. There's an app. There's an app for that. There's an app for um, that. With conspiracy theory, though, we've kind of gotten to this point now where conspiracy theory stopped being these really long ranging, deep conspiracies of control and really powerful and dangerous and whatever to kind of just being like stuff that you can change by like filling out the right forms, you know, or like having a law degree and like knowing the law. Well, like, like when, when did it become the case that like a lawyer could change what uh, the deep state of the government could do? Yeah. Doesn't make any damn sense. yeah, Yeah. And I like the fact that you're bringing up, like it's, it's like the bureaucracy, right? Like now the, the the conspiracy has been so pulverized in some way. It's it's about the bureaucracy, right? Which is basically the most boring thing on the face of the planet, right? The worst like, thing. If you look at any kind, you look at C-SPAN. You look at like you know again like you know general technical writing around certain you know governmental procedures and parliamentary procedures. And that stuff is really dry and really straightforward. It's supposed to be really dry and really straightforward, right? It's instructional. It's not supposed to be conspiratorial. But, like, you know, you start going into the footnotes and stuff, and that's where you can start to pull, you know, that's what it's kind of come to is, like, 
the origins for for so much more conspiracy are rooted in in sort of the mistrust of that understanding of of things that are boring. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's so Which interesting. Kind of you like know? why an airport? Like well, exactly. Again, it's like that's it, it's bland enough that it you know it's enough of an oatmeal that you can get something you can plant something out of the terrible metaphor but you get what i'm saying there's enough blandness there that you can try and cultivate something that is equally like of a blanket statement uh conspiracy theory right so you get yeah. an airport you got this big boring airport and i think the thing that's most interesting about it is the conspiracy theory that works the best with it is the blanket the blanket statement of conspiracy theories, which is the new world order. Absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting because again, so the new world order conspiracy really, really started out as a, a real, like people were really concerned about it. Like people thought this was really real, you know, like today, you know, great. You yeah, some people think it's real, right? Like you're deep state. <sighs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> your wacky uncle thinks that it's real and whatever, and everything else, right? And, and it's like pushed on, anyways, whatever. But the idea of a new world order, again, is sort of this idea of like there is a a real powerful and, and not only powerful, but a very well organized and secretive group of possibly Lucifer worshiping or like devil worshiping or whatever, pagan, you know, mm-hmm. something non Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, group of people who are guiding the world around us. And it started out as being this idea of like, you know, there were real hidden symbols and it was, you know, there was no way for you to contact them. And like a real, you know, again, really what we think about secret societies, you yes. know, yeah. versus say today where these ideas of conspiracy theory, like Conspiracy theorists today, they're not looking for like grand designs and whatever. They're like checking to see the Freedom of Information Act documents to make sure that like, you know, some congressman did the right forms or something. You know, it's just again, it's boring bureaucracy. So the airport becomes a perfect symbol of this. Of this age of boring conspiracies, I guess, really. I mean, well, it's, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's sort of this blank slate, right? And again, when I say blank slate, that's that's really where they're able to tie the New World Order back to the airport is the commemorative plaque that was put in place um, when the airport was opened, which basically, uh, again, the, since this, this airport brand new, very, very expensive, had to have a lot of financial backing from the government and from private sources. So how do you get um, how do you get the community, local government and deep pockets all engaged, you know, to give you money to build this airport is you need some sort of a, uh, you know, financial mechanism, a group of people that are going to help you get the word out and actually get the money and fundraise. And that group for the building of the airport was called the new world airport commission. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> right. Which again, totally nefarious. Well, terrible was, name, terrible it, name. It, it is a ter- and it, the fact it's that unlucky. it is, it's unlucky. The, the fact that it is such a bad name should denote why it's not a conspiracy because it is such a, I mean, it's just basically the name that I think that they came up with to, you know, to sign the thank you cards and to put on the plaque, which was, well, we can't each sign our individual name because there's like 25 of them. So we'll just be the the New World Airport Commission. It's, it's you know, it's it is a new world for us. We've just built this airport and we're, we are a commission. <laughs> right. We're it's getting bureaucracy. It's honestly like you deciding to call your um you decided to call your new pizza place Pizzagate. It's a ter- it's terrible. Because you it's have a, to walk into so the unlucky. little garden. So, 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 so stupid. But and it's that- perfect because it is, it is this, it is this entire, you know, again, the, you, you have this one thing that people can come back to, but is sort of the linchpin is, yeah, you got the wacky art, you have, 
you know, you have other weird events. You've got this whole big budget, you know, it's this boondoggle. But really what ties it is that plaque. And like it sounds stupid. And I know for I know there's listeners out there who are like, that is that is unsatisfying as an answer. That is literally, I think, the answer. The reason that it's this airport is because they chose a stupid name. Because if you watch the thing is, too, what's so funny is if you watch the documentaries about this or the YouTube channels or whatever, Mm -hmm. this is always given as like the last piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. They're like, and then finally the capstone at the, at the airport is titled with the new world airport commission, which is two words similar to new world order. And therefore like it's, it is the thing that is given is like, this is the kill shot, right? The director yeah. was like, man, this is really going to get him with this. Yeah. It's yeah. so it's 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 dumb. It's boring. It is mundane. It's just uncre- uncreative it decision making <laughs> has ruined more things in this country, Marie, than. <laughs> but what's good about it is it is one size fits all. Right. And I think my favorite quote about the new world order which we're going to get into because we haven't really i don't we've discussed it a little bit in the past but like it actually has the phrase actually has a history was journalist and professor huasu writes that the new world order is not so much a single plot as it was as it is a way of reading history absolutely really it's again it's the new world order isn't just one event or one string of events it is a lens in which you can read Anything that's going on in your world it's and at like, your time, including including a very boring but large municipal building. It is the it is the conspiracy theory. Yes, at, it's it's almost like at the root of all conspiracy theories. Right. Because we talked last episode about all these complicated, you know, like, oh, what are the conspiracy theories like and how do we categorize them? How do we study them? Whatever. At the end of the day, the the New World Order conspiracy theory really is a. It's just you asking yourself who who benefits so many times you literally give yourself like an aneurysm. I mean, like you, you literally like you literally who mm-hmm. ju- who benefits yourself into stupidity, essentially. So the idea. It, go, it the idea goes back since forever, right? It's at its core, the idea of people in power are making decisions around me that I have no control over. Mm-hmm. And if, and I can imagine a scenario where bad people would get into those positions of power and then use their, their money, their, uh, their influence, their political connections, their whatever to change things in a way that benefits them specifically. Which yes. is which is not a crazy anyone that's been on like a PTA board or in a team in a team project before in school knows that like that's not that crazy. Anybody who works for corporate America knows. Yes, yeah, that's within realm. That's yeah, like it's, that is exactly a half hour away in this meeting. It's not it's not that nuts. Right. No. People people manipulate other people. People do things for their own benefit. People are. You know, a lot of a lot of the time people are are selfish. Right. So it's not crazy to think that that could, in theory, happen where it starts to get a little bit more interesting, really. Is when we start getting to around the 1700s, early, like late 1600s, early 1700s, when international politics. Really becomes a thing. But suddenly when people are able to travel around the world in in the time it would it, you know in a, in a, no, a normal amount of time where where decisions can get done at a global scale, that's really where it starts it's really where it starts taking off. Yes, but I mean also the idea of the, the phrase and the idea of like new world order did not always was not meant to always have a bad connotation. No, no not right? at all. Absolutely. That's what I think is sort of interesting as well. Like the idea of it again is new world order kind of speaks to this idea of, 
um, of a connected globe, right? So like you were saying, you, we have just, we finally, you know, we've, you begin to travel more, you begin to, you know, there's more, you have more awareness outside of your proximity. And as such, you know, governments, leadership, even individual thought, and especially commerce, trade, finance begins to move towards of a global centralism, right? It's, I can, I, I can, I can, I can, uh, you know, I can ship my goods. I can get stuff from other places. I'm exposed to new ideas. Um, but also, um, I'm going to come into conflict. My country is going to come into conflict with other countries. So this idea of the new world order was also really centered around the idea of war and warfare and what happens when, you know, a, nations have to all of a sudden choose sides. Yeah. And, and really this, again, it, it becomes an issue in kind of the world consciousness really with world war one, because before, before world war one, like Europe was going to war every like 10 years with itself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, America was relatively, um, relatively still young, but even America had had a pretty great track record of like fighting within ourselves, yeah, fighting native peoples, fighting mm -hmm. beavers in Canada, like, you know, fighting we, ourselves, fighting, fighting ourselves fighting again, people, like we fighting you know, the environment. Yep. Right. Like, we, you know, so it's, you know, in a world where every 10 years there's like a skirmish or even a major conflict, almost a war. War kind of it, it means something different when you're fighting with like muskets and uh, swords and bayonets than when you're fighting with like artillery shells. And so we're in World War One is really where that changes. War goes from being this almost there's a really interesting um, the best podcast series of all time is Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Mm -hmm. And the best I think the best series he ever did was on World War One. And especially because it's a it's a war that I didn't know anything about practically like every history teacher I've ever had. I think this is just true of like Americans in general, every history teacher ever it's just like World War One happened. Who gives a crap? Let's get to the Nazis. Let's talk about how we kicked the Nazis in the pants. You know, like we that's like the thing people want to get to. That. Let's get to the Nazis. Yeah, that's the thing people want to get to. Right. But World War One, it's this moment Still. where like we went from, again, fighting each other with like bayonets and, and musket fire, which like wasn't really, you know, like it didn't really kill that many people and whatever. It wasn't that deadly to like Tommy guns and. And missiles and, and, and yeah, missiles. right. Like yeah. real war, real war, artillery shells. Well, the Great right? War, right? That's what and it was. So, that's what it was. Absolutely. So we went from people there. It went from being like you would, you know, like decimation, losing a tenth of your of your core of people of your like military unit used to mean something really important. I mean, it still is important, obviously. But like World War One, entire armies were getting obliterated. Yeah, and you know? I think I think you're also things are becoming televised, right? You're beginning, you know, the civilian population is also at stake. They're seeing, you know, the results of war, both well, yeah, media in destruction and in media and having family, you know, killed. It's it's you know, I think it's it's it is and it's happening on a global level. It's happening. You know, that's I think the thing that is. That, again, we don't – there was the big, you know, clearly the big differentiation. Absolutely. And so what ends up happening really is after World War I, um, Woodrow Wilson de devises basically a plan that says, okay, well, we're going to create an order of nations that will be this international group of – this international government really, which will hopefully lead to an end to warfare. And the idea really was – Every member state would be politically independent, but they would each work together to support each other's independence. They would uh, have kind of united action against bad actors and they would trade with each other. Yes. And so yes. really it's the precursor to it's the precursor to, uh, you know, to NATO, to other uh groups of countries working together like this. It's the precursor to the United Nations, although the League of Nations is thought as kind of a failure today. It's a really important idea. But 
this this is the nugget from which New World Order conspiracy theory will will grow and spread. This is the seed. Yes. And so what we end up happening now is not only does it seem like like, okay, in your local town, maybe there's like a corrupt sheriff or there's a corrupt mayor or there's a a family that seems to run everything or whatever. Now it's like now it's now it's governments like the entire country is corrupt. Maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that and that you're you know, again, like if you are um, if you're coming out of World War One on the losing end of it. Right. And you're seeing sort of other governments band together or re-strengthen one another. There's going to be sort of this idea of mistrust, right? I don't trust, I don't, if I'm not, if I am not engaged in it, or even if I'm engaged in it, but I don't feel like I'm getting an equal share, or I feel like, you know, I have, World War II has, has weakened my country so much and we deserve more and that is not being addressed. I mean, it's just the idea of like, we're going to bring everyone together and naturally is going to sow seeds of mistrust. Absolutely. So and, um, absolutely. Dissent, absolutely. You know, and so, so what you get. Yeah, go ahead. No. So what you end up having happen then is like Marie said. So World War One ends. Germany is is completely um, stripped of of its kind of might. Right. And mm-hmm. humiliated and on the world stage and whatever, you know, and the people in Germany start wondering, like, what the hell, man? Like, what, you know, these countries used to be our friends, and I thought war was, like, this honorable way that you fought to get what you wanted. Now we're the bad guys because we fought in a war? Because we fought, you know, we fought for what we what we wanted, what we believed in. I thought war was just the thing that happened, right? So there's, like, it's kind of a shift, right? And so the, the, the German people, a portion of the German people, starts to starts to kind of build toward this conspiracy theory that, well... There has to have been someone inside of Germany that was working against us. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there was a there was a some other group maybe that stopped Germany from reaching its full potential. And so then you have, you know, I mean, obviously the leader of that kind of way of thinking was Adolf Hitler and the, the Nazi party. And then you have World War Two occur and all of the atrocities that occurred there. Um, But again, like New World Order conspiracy theory kind of kind of goes back back to that and that's why it's so often linked to like jewish conspiracy theories and like anti-semitic conspiracy theories of like jewish control of the media and banking and whatever it's all tied in here because like that's where it started yeah and it's i think one of the things that's really interesting too is that it's hg wells who came up who also came up with um the phrase or was one of the ones accredited to coming up with the phrase of the new world order, which was the title of his treatise, which was published a year after the outbreak of world war two. Right. And again, Wells is advocating that nation states come together and work together to prevent further violence, right? Like clearly warring nations is destabilizing. We need to be able to come together to create peace. But even in that act, again, like that was what he was calling the new world order. And that immediately is, you know, is, is that immediately is met with, you know, mistrust, which even if I think that's always the again, that's always like the the problem with this is the most like I think the idea of, hey, we need to come together to prevent further violence is a pretty benign proposition, right? You think like, so? On the surface, it is a pretty benign thing. Like it makes a lot of sense, but there's a lot of other currents happening that could, you know, can can make that look a different way. Absolutely. And we're going to get into those after the break. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. 
In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, Uh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on CannedAirPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. And we're back now. Okay, so, like Marie said, after World War II really leads to kind of an intensification of a lot of this talk about needing an international group, because again... World War One happens. They try the League of Nations. It doesn't really work. And then World War Two happens. And they're like, oh, crap. We that thing would have been great. Right. And the so we decided to disband. That could have that could have helped us. Well, and not and not only that. Right. But ima- I mean, imagine. Imagine being someone in like a surrounding country. Um, or imagine. Imagine being like, first off, I I can't even imagine what it must have been like to have lived through World War Two and then find the. Like, find the see the results of your inaction. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. You know, it's so like, I mean, we're we're kind of going through something and again, not the same scale, but something similar now with like Ukraine. We we went through with Syria. We went through with. Every yeah. you know, Afghanistan, like yeah. name every one of the conflicts. Right. Not, but it's yeah. like you see this stuff happening and it kind of just becomes like daily, you know, just this just every day. It's other people in power doing this stuff. Right. And so then when when kind of the horror of what happens in these situations really comes home to roost. I think for a lot of people, it's very. It's a lot better to be able to say this is the fault of the politicians and not the fault of the people who let the politicians get away with it. Right. Or do what they do, what they do. Well, yeah. And I think it's hard. It's always easier to look back on this, right? Yes, Cause absolutely. You know, again, the, the creation of NATO, right. The North, uh, the North Atlantic treaty organization, right. I think I got that yet. Yeah, NATO. NATO, right? Doing great. Was was a good idea after World War II because there was this idea of this need that we have they have to balance something's going to have to balance out the rising Soviet power, right? Clearly, you know, there's going to be, you know, we can't make the same mistakes that we made with Germany. Yes. So we need to put something in place that is going to be a balancing mechanism, and that's NATO, right? So we're America and Europe agree to a mutual defense pledge, right? That we are going to, um, you know, if 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 we are attacked by one, you know, all all will respond. Uh, we will advance democracy, uh, rule of law, and human rights, you know, and at the same time also be opening up to international economy. So it's Absolutely. again, it's sort of this idea of of not just working towards peace, but achieving sort of this financial stability between the two company uh, companies. Well, they're pretty much uh, countries <laughs> to keep them balanced, to keep the scales balanced with something that could be a potential threat. And that, you know, again, like you kind of see how that's playing out now um, with Ukraine, right? It's like, again, you, you are hearing about well, how close are they getting to Poland? What is, you know, what what are the steps that what are the steps that we take that are considered, you know, right up to the red line, but not over it? Because if it becomes over, it then becomes it's not just our commitment; it is the commitment of of the of the of of the full of NATO, 
which is yeah. again, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, you know, overstating. It would probably be, you know, World War III. Um, so that's sort of a really, you know, it's easy to kind of see those things in hindsight. It's harder to see in current day what's happening and how how do you prevent that in the future? And I can also understand, like, again, the creation of NATO. If you were in the Soviet Union and you see, again, um, uh, you know, you're trying to refortify yourself, but then you see the rest of the world or a good portion of the rest of the world begin to ban, in a, you know, to balance you out. That is, again, you're just creating, you're creating a tension by trying to create that balance. And it, and it creates sort of an interesting case to where not again, because like NATO isn't like Marie said with Russia right now, right? NATO is not just um, the, the scope of what NATO can do to a country that seemingly like steps out of line pretty it's pretty all-encompassing right mm -hmm. because think about it it you can shut down basically a country's entire economy you can militarily death you know destroy them right mm -hmm. in theory you can culturally isolate them you know if you're thinking about this in terms of like civilization right like the game the video game um nato is kind of like the you know it's the it's the card to play right you can you can destroy them with culture you can destroy them with um, with economy, you can destroy them with military, you can destroy them with um, even with like religion in some ways, right? Like the Pope is condemning, you know, nice. Russia and whatever. Like, nice. that, so nice. it, it really has a important um, again, like it, it has good reason for existing. I, I think a lot of us would say like, yes, those things should probably exist. Like it's great that there's a a way for countries to work out these problems without resorting to military violence, you know? And I think a lot of people would argue that NATO, the United Nations, the other groups that came about after NATO's creation are one of the reasons why there has not been kind of a world, you know, a world uh, all-encompassing war mm -hmm. for the last, you know, since World War II. But like Marie said, for for people on the outside, right? For people on the outside, it starts to look like, well, wait a second. Wh where are their tendrils? How deep into yeah. our economy are they? Yeah. How deep into our culture are they? How deep into our media are they? Right? It starts to become this very, again, because the power of kind of the world being against you is pretty, you know, pretty strong. Um, it's really easy to see this group as maybe using its powers for for bad, right, or for evil or whatever. Yeah. And well, so, yeah, these organizations like the I think before these sorts of organizations happened. The idea of a new world order, like the Illuminati or whatever, it was a bunch of like, you know, it was a bunch of weirdos hanging out in someone's parlor in Paris. And that's what people thought of conspiracy theories then. After NATO, after World War II and the League of Nations and and and, and all of the mm -hmm. history there, mm -hmm. it started being no. These are political. These are political elites, cultural elites, economic elites deciding what is right for us. Because yeah. if we don't yeah. comply, then they can destroy our our way of life. Well, I think the other the thing that you can't undervalue, literally, is. You know, that alliance was the basis for like a lot of international institutions around banking. Right. So the World mm -hmm. Bank was founded because of that, which is a huge, you know, again, it's like it is one of the key instruments that is, was used to, you know, refortify NATO um, and weaken to the point of disintegration, the Soviet Union. Right. Is you have you have financial backing and you have financial clout. So you've got these massive global organizations that are that are controlling a lot of part to your point, like you were saying, the, the, the fact that they can turn turn off an entire country is a pretty big is a pretty big weight on anybody's, you know, on anybody's head because you're making you're making decisions about the best interests of humanity. Right. Yeah. It, it's 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 not just, you know, it becomes sort of that abstract and it's a good thing. 
when it's promoting like peace, democracy and stability. But, you know, it, it, it can be used exactly the opposite way. It's a good thing when it's promoting things that you agree with. That's exactly right. right. And that's, that's exactly and that's right. the turn that conspiracy theorists take is they say, well, what who gets to decide what is right for me? Who gets yes. to decide what is what is correct? And again, we go back to those. We go back to the the kind of moral arguments we had at the beginning of the season, right? Like that's where it that's really where it comes into play. And so what you really find is people who are it's ideologues who push mm-hmm. these things. You know, and so you have things like so after World War Two, people start making arguments that, well, wait a second. Um, if my ideology goes against the prevailing notion of the U.N. or these other countries or whatever, then um, then they might be able to stop me. And that is and it, it, it really is like a global effort to, to stop them. Right. So like a good example of that is, say, Brexit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find Brexit fascinating, by the way. So listeners in the UK, if you have like good sources and stuff that you suggest for me, please send them over. Oh, absolutely. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting through um, my secret Brexit diary, which was translated into English um, a couple of months ago. I'm, I'm, I'm finally going to go through it. It's fascinating stuff. But like Brexit is a really good example of that. Right. Why did why did Britain? Why did the United Kingdom want to separate from from the European Union? It was because they felt like the European Union, or at least this is the argument, they felt like the European Union was Europeanizing um, of the UK, <laughs> right? Europeanizing. That, that they were losing their culture. They were losing their economy. They were losing, yes. they were getting too caught up in this global thing and no longer being able to decide for themselves what was important because all these other countries now have a say at the table because if they don't agree mm-hmm. with us, they can destroy us. Mm-hmm. Right. We've given them the power to destroy us. Which also um, speaks to sort of, again, innate colonialism. Right. Absolutely you've right. Got to, yes. You've got a point that like that's like you're only thinking of that. You're only having that opinion. About because you did things that. Because you did that. And because you are uh, because you can't imagine any you can't imagine any other position. You can't imagine the compromise. Yeah. Which is not I don't think that that is universally true of the UK. I think that that can be weaponized, you know, like the, and I do think that that was weaponized with Brexit. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, and and we have those arguments in the United States too, right? So like, for example, Marie here in the show notes, you say one of the Mm -hmm. earliest warnings about the new world order was uh, fears about the United Nations making America too European or getting Mm -hmm. rid of American exceptionalism or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like, you know, uh, during the Cold War, right, the John Birch Society argued against the New World Order that it was not it was not NATO that was the New World Order, but it was the Soviets. It was mm-hmm. the communists who had the New World Order, right? Mm-hmm. Or or today, right, it's in the 90s, um, Pat Robertson, who, like, is not politically powerful or important or whatever. I mean, he's important, I guess, to some people, but, you know. Well, in the 1990s, he was, right? Oh, he's sure, money. sure, he's sure, sure. A, he's got a megaphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He argued that, uh, and this is, again, one of the first not the first instance where American right wing um, political ideology will use this thing, because, again, like it's hard to argue like the John Birch Society is clearly like a conservative think tank. Right. Or whatever mm-hmm. you would call it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to argue that that meant the same thing as it does today after, you know, when they were fighting against oh, yeah. like the Soviets. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh, but Pat Robertson, like, I guess I would say Christian fundamentalist religion and, and and republicanism that brand of christian fundamentalism um that's politically motivated this is kind of one of the first cases where they start to get into the fray here with pat robertson arguing that essentially um they were using world government to take away your guns oh yeah oh yeah and that after they take away your guns then they can take away your religion yeah. then they can take away your I don't know, whatever the hell Pat Robertson was saying, you know, that, but that's like, that's mm-hmm. where it comes from, right? That it, it, that's how it starts to morph into this sort of right wing more view that we today think about. Right. Yeah. But, at the, but before that new world order conspiracies were like, it was just as you were just as likely to hear that the government was coming for your, um, you know, your, I don't know, your, your acid um, because they were run by a bunch of, you know, 
Republicans or whatever conservatives <laughs> as you were to hear that it's a bunch of crazy Democrats coming for your guns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the nineties is also when you see, you see Waco, you see Ruby Ridge and Waco. Yep. Um, and then after that, uh, McVeigh, which was the de detonating the, the bomb um, on the federal building in Oklahoma, which basically he used to symbol simplify, uh, sim simplify. Well, it was, it was a pretty simple plan. Um, symbolize government overreach. Right. So again, it's, it's, you see acting out against um, symbols of government control and not just government control, but sort of this idea of control. And it really feeds into the idea of like, this is the new world order. Like I am, you're systematically rebelling against the new world order. Yeah. And of course it's, it's, you, we couldn't go through something with a new world order without talking about my favorite and yours. <laughs> Yes, indeed. The man who sells those, you know, the taint terry cloths and gold <laughs> and uh, whatever else he's panning for. Oh, wait, he's not panning for any of that now because he poor Alex Jones. <laughs> the turn of the frogs gay. I know. They're turning Hate the him. frogs gay. Hate him. Yeah. No. <laughs> right? So Alex like, Jones, yeah. there was there was a time where Alex Jones became famous because of Jade Helm. Oh, yeah. Which... Listeners don't know if you remember Jade Helm. It was a little conspiracy theory that basically the military, the U.S. military was doing these drills for when they finally were going to take over the world um, or they were going to take over America. They were going to come for people's guns. They were going to go move us to a cashless society or something <laughs> crazy. And um, and yeah, the whole thing was a they were doing like military drills in Texas and he was sure, you know, certain that it was going to lead to world government, and it it, it didn't. Unfortunately, no. Another famous Alex Jones bad take. Um, oh my god! But so yeah, you can see how it just it plays out again. It's just iterative, right? It's just it, it's this perfect blanket conspiracy theory that can be applied to any situation. It really is like the lens in which you can distort any kind of event. Yes. Um. Even one is like like hey. The, the the globe is just trying to um, balance itself, balance its world powers, balance its government control, balance its finances. You know, it's trying to it's the intent is not to do harm. Then that is absolutely what gets turned on its head to this is definitely like that's, of course, what they would say. You know, and that's what they want you to believe. Sheeple. Right. Sheeple. <laughs> and that's is, what's what I think so interesting, too, is so we kind of tracked how. We tracked here in this episode how the New World Order conspiracy theory that you that you probably it's like because, again, the New World Order conspiracy theory, like we said, it's really varied. There's lots of different permutations to it, but this is kind of like your bread and butter New World Order conspiracy theory. Right. This is the one that like if you think about New World Order conspiracy theories, this is the one. These are the facets you're thinking of. Right. Um, you know, uh, but in, it, it's easy to see, though, too, how in other countries or in other places, maybe. What is meant by New World Order conspiracy theories or these sorts of conspiracy theories changes a lot, right? So you can imagine if you're in North Korea, you've been taught that it's not um, that it's not your government that's doing these things to you or controlling you or whatever. You've been taught that this is all America mm -hmm. with spies in North Korea destroying and changing your country. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's there's an argument to be made about like what how effective that is or whatever with reality and everything else. But you can imagine like in Russia, um, their take on New World Order conspiracy theories is likely that it's America that is the one pulling the strings. Yep. Right. Yep. And so it's it's just a very interesting like it's very interesting. Again, like uh, like Professor Sue says, it's it's a lens through which to see history. Yes. Oh, boy, Marie. Well, the, I, I think know. the funniest thing, though, the funniest thing by far is the most. So the so it all comes down to this airport because of that capstone, really, because yes. of that stupid name yes. that they chose. Yes. And what's fascinating is the most. So the most important member of the committee was a man named Charles Ansbacher. Mm -hmm. who was an arts advocate in the yeah. in the area. Yeah, and we discussed him in our first episode. Again, yes. a fascinating man. And what is so funny is 
like he he he's pretty sure he's the one that made the name up. <laughs> and so what's really funny is he's like, man, oh my god, right? And so he says he guesses that the name that he took uh likely comes from Zvorek's New World Symphony. And so they wanted it to represent that the airport was not the newest in the world, but it was the newest airport in the new world. It was the first one built in the Americas or in North America since 1973. Yeah, which is pretty amazing, which is crazy to think about, but but very interesting. Right. And so he says here, and I think this is the perfect quote in the episode on yes. The idea that there is anything secretive about this is totally preposterous. Couldn't have said it better myself, Charlie. I know. Uh, And on that note of reason, they're after us. That's it, (laughs) listeners. We hope you enjoyed this series on the Denver International Airport. Again, at 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 the center of these conspiracy theory nuggets, when we get down to them, a lot of the times it's something silly like this, right? It's just um, it's yeah. Yeah. Just silly stupid. Or even worse, uninteresting. <laughs> Mundane, right? Interesting because you should be giving us five stars. Me fascinated what's coming up next on Mad Scientist. But that it's that the mundane can still breed. Crazy shit. Absolutely. All right. Listeners, we love you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. I'm feeling the meat. It's great. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.